We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going more back to 12. Thanks for pressing play. Now we're gonna save the day. Alright. Before it goes live, it shows the last episode. And that uh, was before I got my hair cut. I'm like, wow, that was a lot of hair. Hello, welcome to issue 636 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Rita. And I am your other, other host, Cable Hashitani. <laughs> well, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> I got a haircut. <laughs> I feel bad that, when did you get the haircut? Um, Thursday. Okay, well, in my defense, I would not have noticed your haircut on Saturday evening. It's it's not a super noticeable haircut. It's technically a shag, and I took, like, six inches off. But, like, long hair is just long hair. That's true. And, and, and I have not yet figured out how to wash and style my hair so that it, so that you can tell that this is a shag. <laughs> what is a shag? Oh, my God. It's, I don't have a I, I'm not good at describing what it is but essentially it's it's a lot of layers and it's supposed to have this like very like there's no like smooth edges there's no like well-defined shape it's very deconstructed okay um is that the right word but carefully shattered. constructed to look deconstructed shattered and the, the 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 shape the outline is shattered i guess i don't know someone someone in the chat will probably have a much better way of describing it because because the shag has been around for a great many years well i mean the eventually 70s. it was no originated in the 70s yes um i mean knowing a lot of people in our chat the moment they say they will help us out with what a chat is they're going to be like that's british for fucking because it's our odd because it's our you know and I will politely well, ignore those comments because, duh. Sure. All right, Austin. Okay, Austin Powers. Well, you know it was before that, right? Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> Austin Powers is a character from the 60s. A, char- a character who was supposed to have been from the 60s. Yes. Words are hard today. It has been you a are correct. weird day. Hey, Steve Coker's watching us on Facebook Live. And him showing up reminded me that even though he's asked me repeatedly, I keep forgetting to send him the fucking video of his appearance to promote his Kickstarter for the Dex Dixon game. 
Because I am an awful, awful person. You're not an awful person. person. You're in the middle of promoting your own comic, which comes out in two weeks. Uh, More than that. I think it is the 30th now. Oh, that's right. It's the 30th. Mm. It it comes out at the end of this month, which means you're going to be doing your own promotion all month long. Steve is doing his own promotion for his game, uh, Dex Dixon. Uh, So I'm pretty sure that you're not a horrible person. You're both just super busy. (laughs) Thank you, Cable. That's very nice. Well, I'm here to remind you that... Everything that's happening right now for you, Aaron, is okay. You okay. don't have to do everything. Thank you. And also, Steve just said, it's cool. I made an audio version of your of our appearance. That's, yeah, you didn't need the video anyway. Promoters I mean, you of a feather. See? Us, Steve understands. This is why I like Steve. Yeah. I want to point out that while you were doing that, Bean was still like, you still should have given him the video. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying you still can. No, I still can't. Yes. Yeah. I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I save that kind of talk for off mic. Yes. <laughs> After two beers. I don't then need to tell she... you what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah, it's but so you that... really let me know after two beers. Yes. Oh, for sure. She's basically <laughs> letting letting uh, me continue to look like the uh, you know wise old monk of the show. <laughs> I don't want to I take that you, away from you. What I, pay her I thought for. you guys were just playing good cop, bad cop kind of thing. I think that's what we do naturally. <laughs> <laughs> and what's fun is when we know to flip the script without talking about it. <laughs> and that does kind of terrify me, to be honest. So, I mean, as a Gemini married to another Gemini, it's I'm, I'm very used to taking turns at being one or the other at this point. <laughs> And I'm just a ball of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that's enough. You're the so distraction. On the show... <laughs> oh. <laughs> so on the show this week, we're going to be do more of our Avatar deep dive. I think we'll give kind of our thoughts on Peacemaker overall. And what we think about where Discovery is leading up to, leading through episode 10, which was last Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the show. Good night. No, I'm just I yeah, got there's... so used to saying, and that's the show, my brain goes, okay, hit stop. <laughs> I think uh... that there's just, we're finally into um, geek season. Like, it, it seemed like January and February were fairly light, and now we're we back are. into it. Because... Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is finally supposed to hit Disney Plus this month. Um, mm-hmm. Moon Knight debuts. Uh, Picard Season 2 debuts. Um, like, Doctor Strange is around the corner in May. Same New seasons, or new seasons. Strange New Worlds is right around the corner in Strange May. Strange New Worlds is in May. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi is in May. Oh my god. Yeah, I believe, I believe it... it lands on may the 5th this year it's it kenobi is it's made no 5th. may 20 may 25th which is the day oh, oh, is star it? wars actually came out oh that's even better yeah so yeah it, we're, we're about like the tsunami is building so i know this will sound incredibly surface and first world because there's real shit going on but i'll be extra pissed if putin actually launches world war three and i miss out on all of this shit Yes, I know humanity, blah, 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 but 
God damn it. I mean, oh, certain I... wheels are going to keep turning uh, regardless uh, of of that, just because I think, like, culturally we've gotten into, like, a very creature comforts kind of a mindset. Capitalism. The word you're looking for is capitalism. Yeah. It keeps yeah. turning. Because yeah, yeah also... like, think about all of the things that did not stop uh, just because there was a global pandemic going on. Mm-hmm. And technically speaking, if if this sets off another, you know, like global war, we're not necessarily going to be involved in it. And even if we are, we're, you know, it's not happening here. Yeah, yet. we'll see right yeah. away. Maybe eventually, but but at first. And mind you, and as I'm you not know, pol- we're real good at sitting back and just looking the other way as long as it's not impacting us directly. I like that cynical take from Denise. I'm actually going to not go my usual doom and gloom and say to everybody is we all know that things are going on in the world. Like our listeners are smart enough that they know things are going on in the world and they're benevolent enough that they, I'm sure that they are doing what they need to do to help out. Just like we do, we do whatever we can, what little parts that we can to make the world a better place as Aaron has shepherded us through the entire uh, pandemic saying, let's be the refuge. Let's be the refuge. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. I no, like you're that. right. We don't have to, we do not have to focus on that right now. Also, you know, if he angers the mouse, like shit is on then. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, do, you yes. think, do you think Disney's a corporation actually has like hitmen? This is a dark turn the show took. Um, and if they don't, I want to write a story. I couldn't actually call them Disney. It'd be how, like, when they tried to make... Um... Anyway, there was a movie called um, Free Enterprise about these two writers that want to try to get William Shatner in their movie or whatever. But they weren't sure they could get the rights to use the word Star Trek, so they were going to call, like, this fake show, like, Star Voyage or something like that. And they're like, well, you can't fucking do that. So this would be, like, my sh- my pitch would be, like, okay, it's totally supposed to be Disney, but we can't say Disney. And that Disney mm-hmm. has, like, wet works. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. It would be the Asta La Vista division of Buena Vista. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. I hate how good that is. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> you could actually just call the title Asta La Vista. Yeah. I just want to share real quick that Bex said, there are a few joy escapes in this world and we don't want to lose out on them, which I am 100% inf- uh, you know, inferring she means we are one of the few joys in her life. And I'm just going to take that all the way to the bank. Oh, thanks, Bex. The bank of my ego. Yes. I like Bex a lot the- for someone I've never met. <laughs> She's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Agree. There's only one more important on this ship than my ego. I want it shot and killed right now. <laughs> Getting little Zafa there on us, Bean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just this guy, you know? It's just this Bean, just you know? <laughs> just this Bean, you know? Also, I'm pretty sure that Disney has its own nukes, so. <laughs> but they have the, glitter. Uh... The uh, the ter- the spires of of Cinderella's castle. Oh no, it's like what's actually... underneath Epcot. Uh, mm. Oh no, that is probably 
better located. Yeah. And uh, the fallout was- fallout smells like churros. Okay, now Bex and I are going to have to talk because apparently we've met. You have probably met her quickly at conventions. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have the memory of a squirrel at conventions. I'm very friendly and sensory overload. And and will am very good at that. Oh, it's great to see you. I love that. Yeah, we'll catch up later, blah, blah, blah. And then that's gone like 20 minutes later. What's what's fun is when I'm around cable when he does that, and sometimes like he'll look at me and be like, I know them, but who aren't they? <laughs> to which I respond with, I'm the one who remembers people worse than you. And he's like, <laughs> damn. It's not the cable and I don't want to remember people, we're just trash at it. It's a. Uh, it's also so that like that look is also supposed to indicate quick go to Facebook, look up who this is. Oh, whoopsie daisy. Now you know. Bean, when if you're around and I throw that look, that's what that look means. It's like, uh huh. Oh, man. I don't, do like whatever. Don't waste your time throwing it at me. Yeah. Dude. I do like whatever assassin names, though. The Maleficent Bastards. Also, Twitch, did you edit the word bastards? You did. Yes, it did. Oh, that's, that is a much better, that's a better title than mine. That's weird because I can say fuck. Uh, I, also wanna, I also want to give out give a shout out to uh, the Diz kneecappers. Um, That's not uh, a hostile message. Uh, being the reason why you can say and type "fuck" is that you are part of the home feed of the of the thread of the show. Oh. Uh, I do have a pretty strong um, comment I don't know what blocker. That means. Uh, since your text is coming from the show that's feeding into Twitch, you are essentially commenting as an admin. Gotcha. Nope, I'm not able to chat from the the stream. We've talked no. about this. I'm directly on Twitch. He that's he still means that on Twitch you're listed as a moderator. Yeah. So you can oh, swear. Oh, did you yeah. do that? Yes, you both cool. have that. Thanks. Um, but uh, I have a pretty heavy um, block on there right. to prevent. Better safe than sorry, I guess. Yeah, and sometimes oh. that means that sometimes other, that means I have. Seem... <laughs> yeah, sometimes that means I have to approve a comment from usually Norm or Sad. <laughs> Not that it's bad, but it falls within the parameters of a heavily filtered Twitch chat. So, anyway. cool, 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 cool. Oh, tight, tight, yeah. tight. A little behind the scenes there. What should we start first? We usually end with Avatar. Let's start with Avatar. That sounds good. Uh, as we start, like Cable, I'll let you kind of run with this to start us off. Mm-hmm. I got a really interesting direct message from a listener, Lauren, um, who's been following our Avatar, well, the show, but mm-hmm. um, she wrote this interesting thing where she is actually seeing parallels with why the Fire Nation is so aggressive and how Russia is acting now. It's a nation in decline trying to reclaim its once glorious empire. Ooh. And I was like, well, that's an interesting way to start to continue watching this show. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that's. You know. All right. Yeah. yeah. I like Ooh. that observation. Yeah. Thus far, what I've seen of the Fire Nation, that works. Especially yeah. when we start talking about uh, episode 12. But we'll start with. Uh, 
episode nine, which is the water bending scroll. Yeah. Hold on. I need I need to share this because I'm I'm like so pleased with myself. Not only did I watch all of the episodes, (laughs) I took notes on all four episodes. I mean, granted, I was also like doing my plant stuff at the same time, but I was actively paying attention and taking notes. It's almost like old bean. That's good because I only got to 11 before I got super busy and distracted again. That's fair. Um, I'm for brevity. I'm going to use IMDb's uh, synopses of the episodes for the waterbending scroll. Katara desperate to improve her abilities and teach Aang steals an expensive waterbending scroll from pirates causing the pirates to pursue the group. Yeah. It's not stated, but the the addendum there is hijinks ensue. And that's kind of what this whole episode felt like to me. It was like pirates and hijinks. And while it furthers the plot along, it also kind of stood by itself. And I was like, this is fun. So for, for me, it. the biggest... Uh, takeaway from the episode uh, like yes it is objectively like mostly just a romp but it was the moment where katara like starts to really see like oh even though like water bending is is the the one and only thing that i that i know how to do or like i'm able to do there's a very finite amount of things that i know how to do and an even more you know, boiled down list of things I can do well. Meanwhile, Aang as the Avatar is like, oh, this is this is nothing, you know. And it's and and so that's the first time that we see the two of them, it, it, to the best of my memory, like essentially butt heads because she's because he's showing her up, and she doesn't know how right. to deal with that. M- made all the more. Um... If I, I agree that the focus on this episode is definitely Katara and it gives Katara an opportunity to be a flawed character where she has been very much the, um, the brains of the group and the one mm-hmm. that holds everyone together and has the speeches in order to inspire Aang to do what he's supposed to be doing. And that's, That's a common trope, especially for female characters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and making her jealous and acting impulsively out of jealousy and envy. Um, It's like, oh, okay, you are human. Now you're interesting. Not just like, not just being jealous, but like also lashing out, Mm -hmm. you know, but then that also gives the character an opportunity to realize that was shitty of me and... And then they then they work together. They use their powers together to get out of their sticky situation. Um, and I think I think that's the first time that they've done that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes sense that Aang would pick up any other bending quickly. That's his and, like raison d'être. Yeah, it, it's also he has at the age of twelve he's not mastered air bending. But he's certainly trained with it so much that he understands the philosophies behind how bending works. Yeah. So if you tell him, oh, these are the motions and this is what you're doing, he already understands the inherent nature of any element bending 
that Katara may still be learning. And that's why she's trying to figure out it's not just motions. It's also using your spirit, using your anima, whatever they have. Uh, which, you know, and that leads to that line of my life is hard enough when you were just an airbender. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, getting to see more of a real Katara. Like, especially after we got to see Aang kind of bare his soul to her about, like, I'm I'm 12. And I really don't want to be this person. And now, not only do I have to be this person... Shit's about to get real. <laughs> yeah. Which, Which we... pretty much leads right into Jet, the next episode. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, this is one of the ones directed by Dave Filoni, by the way. Mm-hmm. I did notice that. Cool. Yeah. Because it got dark pretty quick. So... <laughs> yes, it does. Right, in, yeah. In Jet, we have Ayn, Katara, and Soka have their friendship with each other tested by a charismatic rebel leader <laughs> who is fighting against the Fire Nation. Um, in the description, rebel leader is actually capitalized. Oh, really? So, so someone at IMDb also went, <laughs> I'm going to do a thing because Dave Maloney also directed this. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and Jet was the name of uh, the rebel leader. So it's pretty much like, you know, Peter Pan and his lost boys, if they were bloodthirsty murderers. <laughs> they kind of are, actually, but... They are. Yeah. Um, Did you say lost boys? Yes. That is exactly what I put in my notes. The lost boys? Yeah. I said, yeah. Uh, what did I... Hold on. Let me go back to the notes. Thing. Enter Fire Nation, enter badass new kid, Jet, and his band of lost boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kept um, waiting for someone to yell out Rufio at times. <laughs> and I don't yeah, mean that in a bad a way. similar look, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Minus the uh, the hair. I right. think that that's Jet, what Jet was supposed to be, was an evil version of Rufio. Right. Well, uh, here's the thing is, I don't think Jet was like intrinsically an evil character. I just think that he is a person who has let the bad things that has happened that have happened in his life like take him to an extreme that you know takes you from like like victim to uh perpetrator. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that <sighs> oh, No, no, you know what? I take it back because at the end there you know once once his malicious plan is thwarted even his gang is like, yeah, man, you you were taking things too far, and we need to like rein that shit in. He still wasn't really wanting to hear it. So, oh, oh you mean when he reveals his plan to try and kill an entire village? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a, that was <laughs> a little cool. much. <laughs> yes, yes, but but like, but it's not unheard of, you know, for someone to say like, there's these bad guys here, and. You know, in order to like, in order to stop bad things happening to good people, you have to get rid of the bad actors, and that needs to be done by any means necessary. It's not a, it, I don't know, that doesn't necessarily feel intrinsically evil to me. It's true. It's misguided to be sure. Hardcore, wrong way to go. But I don't think that that necessarily means you're evil because you're in the intent is not to 
hurt innocent people. It's the intent is to save people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it hurts other people in the process. It's yeah. The very definition of by any means necessary assumes you're fine with any kind of collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Right. Which doesn't does necessarily make, make you, you evil, evil, but <sighs> I don't know. I think that's a weird spectrum of morality on that. It's definitely a darker and you need therapy and not to be in charge of people Correct. or weaponry. Uh, quick little side note. Speaking, we talked about Rufio. Mm-hmm. Zuko is voiced by Dante Bosco. Who yes, it is. Is Rufio. Oh, um, there is. A, Dante Bosco is actually interviewed on a recent episode of they call us Bruce. And he mm-hmm. talks about he talks briefly about his time on. Avatar: The Last Airbender. He's super That's proud cool. of it. Um, gave, like he, if you actually don't know how this show ends, don't watch it because there are spoilers. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I already know how it ends, but <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yep, knew that. <laughs> you just have to right, keep this yeah. to yourself for the whole year. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How's that uh, line from movie go? Can you keep the secret? Yes. So can I. So can I. From Clue. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, any more any more thoughts on the episode or the character of Jet? I I liked uh this was a focused more on Soka than it did uh Katara yeah. or Aang. Aang, Aang and Katara just kind of went along for the ride and snapped too when they were like Oh, wait, this guy's killing people. No, we're not doing that. Um, I liked Soka being able to go, I really do sometimes know what I'm talking about. And getting affirmed for him also helps his character develop. Right. That's that's the wrapper of the episode is in the beginning, they're uh, they're arguing, right? uh, Sokka and Katara are arguing about how one another... Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's that's the other one. Uh, Sokka, that's the next episode. Sokka is yeah. like insinuating that he should be the leader. Like there needs to be mm-hmm. a leader, and it should be me. I guess because he's the oldest or whatever. Because because he thought of it. Um, but that kind of devolves into like, why would you be the leader? You make terrible decisions, and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and then. As the episode progresses, he's the one who's like, "This guy's bad news," and no one. And Katara doesn't want to hear it because she's pretty infatuated mm-hmm. with this guy. Um, but then he, then he actually does do the smart thing by, like, rather than like pushing his, you know, what he sees onto people who don't want to hear it. He's like, "I guess I'm just gonna fix this one on my own," and he he really did do the best thing possible with the mm-hmm. situation that he was in. Which was save the entire village. Yes. Yeah. And it, from the standpoint of the children's show, it, it also shows you, it's like your actions have consequences. And in the same way that it's like, if you do a bad thing, bad things are going to happen to you. They showcase that as if you also do a good thing, that can also be rewarded. And that was the the old man that he tried to save from the group. He's like, you're just beating up an old, defenseless old man. This is not 
this is not a soldier. This is not a warrior. This is wrong. And that old man going, oh, no, this kid tried to save my life. Listen to him. If he says we need to get out of the village, let's get out of the village. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked that particular reinforcement of yeah, behaviors. He, he he was able to save the day by having done all of the right things along the way. Mm-hmm. Rather than try to fight. Like you, you were saying, trying to convince people who aren't going to listen. He was an or try to fight Jet. It's like, nope, I'm going to do the other thing. Right. I can't stop this from happening, but I can change the outcome. Yeah. Uh, So then moving on to episode 11. The Great Divide. The Great Divide. Yep. Aang is tested as the Avatar when he must help two feuding clans cross a dangerous canyon peacefully. Can I just say, I do not like canyon crawlers. Just going to lay that out there. <laughs> Call them whatever you want. Um, they are still just giant creepy spiders that want to eat me. There. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so in like as as we sort of are going through this discussion, it right now occurs to me, like, there's a very obvious formula to these episodes. There's some sort of, like, inter interaction between the, the core group Mm-hmm. that then gets mirrored out in the world as they are going on this journey. Mm-hmm. So just like before, with the leadership argument, in this episode, it opens with Sokka and Katara fighting over how one another is is going about the, the chores of being on this journey. And Aang pops in and he's just like, okay, if you guys are so annoyed with how each is doing the other's task, why don't you just trade tasks? And and so this goes into the the topic of like part of Aang's purpose as the Avatar is to bring people together, almost like this like uh, you know mystical mediator. If that was the per- you know that's been the purpose of the Avatar the entire time was to keep peace between the four different nations, um, and and be this. King Solomon type of character the entire time. And that's a lot to put on a 12 year old or a 112 year old who's still a 12 year old. (laughs) Who's also still just 12 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to put on anybody. I do like the place of Ang as like peacemaker. This, I feel like this is the one where he has a little spurt of emotional maturity here. See, and I, I like that. What I like about this episode is the trickster spirit ending. Oh, yeah. Okay. Speaking of, you know, like, by any means necessary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, within reason, he mm-hmm. he saw that there, he, he saw that there are these two groups who just, like, cannot get along. And he really wishes he knew what, the answer would be to, to solve that. And, and I think that eventually he realizes like, there's, there's maybe no talking to these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go ahead. The, the two tribes, I would like to use Ali Wong's description and that would be <laughs> fancy Asians and jungle Asians. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we're not going to say that. 
that, but you're that, allowed to say that. that. That is how she describes both her and her husband. She's like, we're both half fancy Asian and half jungle Asian. She's like, I'm Chinese and Vietnamese and he's <laughs> Japanese and Filipino. And I'm like, mm. well, okay. Can't fight. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then literally they had people in furs, people who clearly did more practice more tribal nomadic ways. And then you have folks that dress in fancy silks and are very concerned with appearance and courts. And yeah, I'm like, Oh man. Okay. <laughs> fancy Asians and jungle Asians. That's it. That's all I'm. Yep. So anyway. But yeah, I, I like the fact that, uh, Aang takes their belief systems from both sides and turns it into a, another parable and says, oh, you're right and you're right, but here's how the story actually went. And they all went, oh, that makes so much sense. And then basically straight up said, oh, yeah, I made that up. I have no idea. But it, that's all <laughs> it took for them to stop feuding. Yep. If that wasn't a uh, very thinly veiled... <laughs> Well, maybe heavily veiled for children, but a thinly veiled um, critique of religion. I don't know what was. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially Abrahamic religions. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I like it when kid shows pull this stuff off. Yeah. Which also feels like that was another Filoni episode. But I was I don't know just was. about to say. Uh, it was not. It, it oh. seems very Filoni influenced. I did like the change in animation for telling the stories. So that there were three, there was the regular style of animation for the show and then three different animation styles for telling the fable of the, the two leaders. It was a neat way to handle that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy when different animation styles are introduced. Even if I'm not into those other styles, I appreciate that like they they've taken the time and the effort to to make it different visually, not just narratively. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And then the last episode for this block is episode 12, The Storm. Mm. Yeah, not at all ominous in this episode. Not at all. Oh, no. This was a big one. Yep. And so mm-hmm. Aang relives the events after finding out that he is the Avatar 100 years ago and tells them to Katara, while Iroh tells the story of Zuko's scar and banishment to the crew of his ship. Um, I think this might have been the episode that I finally went, all right. What else you got? I'm in. I very similar to you because again, yeah. like I've been real kind of like not meh. Like I haven't unenjoyed it watching it so far, but I haven't been like, why does this show get such love? And I don't want to disrespect anyone's opinions, but I'm like, I'm not seeing it. This episode is like, oh, is this the big turn? Like, is this the shift? You know? This is the one where you. We, we we finally get some like some like real tangible backstory, not just for Aang, but for Zuko and 
some hard shit happens. Like some hard to deal with, tough to explain to young children shit happens in this episode. And so it's they they make a real meal out of it. Mm-hmm. The stuff with with Zuko and his father is is really, <laughs> is really rough. Yeah, like more than I would expect from like the age they were going for on this show. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it was a nice reveal of like, oh. Zuko's father is played by Mark Hamill. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Did I know that? I don't think I knew that. It, he's got like very few lines, but there's one delivery that I'm like, nope, I recognize that sinister, those sinister tones. That's Mark Hamill. <laughs> um, I got my wires crossed. This is actually the episode where Aang kind of bears his soul to Katara, which is great after Katara has had her own episode in with the the waterbending scroll thing. Yeah. So he's needed to have this talk, and he like he just wants to go back to being a kid. And I think he saw this opportunity of coming out of the ISIS. Hey, I can just do this. And every, all signs point to, no, it doesn't matter that it's a hundred years later. You still have to do this. Now you right. really have to do this. Now mm-hmm. there's even less time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, is this is also the episode where like, we get a lot of, guilt for Aang. Like, most of the time, he comes off as just, you know, this goofy, playful kid who doesn't really take things super seriously. Like, even even though they've, like, been in some, like, dangerous situations, you know, for, for three kids in the, in the past, um, this is a lot more existential, mm-hmm. I think. Um, we really get the fact that Aang was studying to be a monk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then found out at a too young age, you know, like, like really fucking big news. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they said that normally they would wait until one was 16 to be told that they are the next Avatar. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he was 11 or 12. 12. Um. So that's a lot. That that like just like think about like how different a twelve year old is from a sixteen year old. Um, that's a big, big burden. And then that is compounded by the fact that like well, first, first his change in status like gets him ostracized with the other children. Mm-hmm. And that's and like he had nothing. They had like no control over that. And like like he can explain like I'm the same guy I've always been, just because now we know that I'm supposed to become the avatar. I'm like, I'm no more powerful than I was yesterday, but, but people don't want to interact with him in the same way anymore because they perceive him as being more powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And then to, to think that your guardian, like the one person who still like looks out for you and cares about what you want in life is going to be taken away from you. And he and he obviously does have a lot of anger about it, even now. And I mean, like, of course he does. It's been a hundred years, but he wasn't 
he wasn't really living those hundred years. He was in stasis, essentially. Yep. Yep. The, the same way Bucky or Steve Rogers were like a hundred years old. Right. They were asleep for most of that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't quite count. Yeah. No. Yeah. You have not had a hundred years to process those emotions. Mm-hmm. And is this is this the end of season one? This is not the end of season one. Okay. We are now uh, in the... We've now got two episodes of our show to complete season one, though. Okay. I thought next, we were getting close, yeah. Yeah, the next time we've got episodes 13 through 16. And then after that will be 17 through 20. And that will be the end of season one. Right. And season one does end with another two-parter. That's what I... Yeah, okay. Cool. I remember to write that down. Um... <laughs> So yeah, um, I I'm still I haven't forgotten, and, and like I I'm still processing Planet of the Asians in my head, but I am more interested invested in seeing where this show goes. So, I have a but there I've admitted it. I um I'm much more invested in the character of Zuko now. Than, than I was before, because now we know that he started out as an okay kid, like with like some modicum of a moral compass, and and the the Zuko that we're we know now at, at this point at twelve episodes in is right. is not who he not who he naturally is. I think is is a way of putting it. That's not his instinct. It's who yeah, he thinks again, he I, needs to be. I'm not going to give anything away, but. Like I said, Dante Dante Bosco, uh, Zuko is like one of his favorite roles ever. Like he loves the fact that people still call him Rufio. He loves the fact that people call him Zuko. (laughs) He loves both of them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, he's really engaged with his fans too, which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool. Well, cool. Yeah, this felt like the first kind of chunks of the show I've seen where I feel more personally invested in the character and story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it only took 12 episodes to get Did to a point where they... Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a lot, I think. But again, we are, yeah. we are here for this show with a very critical eye from, from day one, and we're also not the age demographic, so... I'm I'm sure that if someone more age appropriate or even just yeah. like closer to the target was watching it and not watching it with the purpose with the with the 100% intent of critiquing it mm-hmm. very different uh expectations, you know. Yeah. I say 12 episodes, but that's still less than 6 hours of TV. Yeah, that's it's for, a whole lot. It's not I mean it's not a whole lot. They're 20 minute episodes. And I, I will absolutely admit that I have given way more than six hours of my life to TV that I knew was bad. <laughs> Haven't I, we all? I'm so <laughs> frustrated that I went back and finished Veronica Mars, even though I knew I was not going to enjoy it. <laughs> I watched you like that show? Thing. No, I didn't. Oh. Love Kristen Bell. Yeah. Um, 
the actors in the show were great. It's just that I honestly felt like the show touted itself as being smarter than it actually was. Oh, that's fair. Um, that's also a reason why almost now out of spite, I refuse to start Supernatural. Because I know deep down it's my kind of trash. And that's not to discredit. It's it's not a deep show, though. Let's make no illusions about that. But it's exactly the kind of show I know I will get sucked into, and I don't have the bandwidth to dedicate 14 seasons. I just don't. It's 15 seasons. Even and, worse. And Aaron. And, and going, right? It's going. No. No, it ended finally. See, subconsciously, I have not completed watching the 15th season, so it's never ended for me. Just the the brothers go on and on. I fucking forever in their adventures. I unabashedly fucking love Supernatural. And the thing is, I probably would. I just can't give myself to it. It's a uh, our, our friend Heather and your former employee at Things fault mm-hmm. that I started watching the damn show in the first place. <laughs> oh my god, so many things are her fault. It's beyond. <laughs> yep. But uh, like once I started getting in, it's like, well, I can't stop. Also, I don't want to. <laughs> no, that's um, fair. Yeah, I became a lot more fascinated with the work. Like uh, Jensen Eccles and Jared Padalecki under like hit that point where they understood that their celebrity could be used for something completely different that had nothing to do with their show. Right. And then they instilled that philosophy into everyone who started a a CW superhero show. Yeah. There would Um, be no DC universe on CW if it weren't for Supernatural. And there wouldn't have been Supernatural if there hadn't been Buffy. Oh, yeah. No, they completely, like, lead to each other. Yep. Well, speaking of shows that I personally didn't want to end... Mm-hmm. You want to roll into Peacemaker thoughts? <laughs> like, like series yeah. Peacemaker thoughts? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, but first, this is a good place to take a break. Well, like I said, this is a great spot to take a break and talk about our sponsors. First up, of course, we have Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Guardian Games has been with us since the very beginning. And that just you know goes to show... Um, one of the things they believe in is local work and local talent and local creative folks. Um, so when you go to Guardian Games, uh, I think the table's still up. They have an entire uh, stacked table dedicated to local designers, uh, much like how Portland and the Pacific Northwest is kind of like a ground zero for comic book creators. We also have a pretty healthy share of game designers and game creators and Guardian Games is more than happy and proud to carry those games. Um, you know, some of them are big name folks like Keith Baker, but you know what? He's, it doesn't matter how big you are. You all start somewhere and he's a local creator along with a bunch of smaller independent creators that really put their heart and soul into games. And it's very cool that, uh, you know, Guardian Games supports that. It's a great thing. So get down there. Check them out. Check out that table, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon, Guardian Games. And when you are there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio, just like Bridge City Comics. Um, You know, they're going through some annoyances right now. What was someone breaking into their window? I was there a few days ago. It's all been repaired, but 
you know, just because we can't see it doesn't mean that Bridge City is still not dealing with all the, the just BS that comes with being broken into and having things stolen. So, you know, maybe pick up an extra graphic novel while you're there. If you can't do that, like, tell all your friends, like, hey, have you gone to Bridge City Comics in a while? You know, kind of beef up some business. Let folks know that uh, that we all care about Bridge City Comics as much as Bridge City Comics cares about us. And, you know, much like Guardian Games, um, Michael Ring of Bridge City Comics has an entire section dedicated to to local creators um and not just again like the bigger names that like live in the area you know like kelly sue or david walker or rucka or frack i mean yeah they all live here and they actually do have their own little small kind of graphic novel section if you're like i want to read everything kelly sue DeConnick's ever written like or, or is in print like he's got a little cubby for that um but next to that is just a real humble bookshelf with local creators small press zines uh, I think he has an album or two there. You know, Michael has always been a big believer in supporting local creators, and you will see that at Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon, or online at bridgecitycomics.com. And then, before we get back to the show, once again, a big shout-out to Revnat of Revnat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with some equipment so we can continue to deliver a quality program while we are all in our respective homes. We might go back to a studio one day, but uh, that's getting harder and harder also because of job schedules and, and whatnot. So this this might be uh, how we record for the foreseeable future. So that uh, wouldn't be as easy to do without Revnat. And uh, yeah, so enjoy some tasty cider while you listen to this tasty show, <laughs> which we're going to get back to right now. And we're back. I don't know why I'm doing it that way. That's just fun. Whatever. <laughs> Smart. I like how Just... time stopped for other people, but it kept going for us. <laughs> That's how time travel works, kids. Mm-hmm. And you'll never know what happened in between. Ooh, they unless, will because it's live streamed. Yeah, not the podcast can... people. Yeah, but the podcast people can watch the video. Yeah, it's on the Patreon. Uh, fine. Well, that costs money. And the Twitch channel. And the YouTube. Okay, never mind. I don't know. I don't know internet. Unless we actually paused it. That would be weird. Let's not do that. That would be weird. Sounds like a lot of work. Um, I thought I knew what I was getting into when Peacemaker started. I I watched the the Suicide Squad. I enjoyed John Cena's take on a character that I have thought was dead dumb since i first encountered him when i was 11 years old because he's a dumb fucking character he is dumb he's yeah because he was a carlton comics character i believe initially yeah and is the character that uh, alan moore based the the comedian on for the watchman yes and boy are they even different in comic forms yeah no they are like yeah. everything that John Cena gave us in Suicide Squad, it's like that's not the comic book character at all. No, it's a lot more interesting than the comic book character is. I, I just I didn't expect. I knew I was going to have fun because mm-hmm. I like John Cena. His take on Peacemakers hilarious, and I've never been disappointed in a James Gunn anything. Yep. Um, but I forgot how really well James Gunn is at taking like slices of life or personal issues and finding like that really tender emotional core and uh-huh. just, just grabbing it and being like, you know, in between people getting blown up, 
here's I'm going to pull this existential personal crisis out of this character that we all get to now watch and analyze. While, you know, they're shooting a space cow. Mm-hmm. Um, like, case in point, obviously, folks, there would be spoilers here. I did not expect in the last episode to be brought to tears by the actor who plays Diebeard. I know it's horrible to say that. Economos. Economos in that John part. He's, when he's explaining why his beard looks that way to another one of the butterflies. Like, I... I was not ready to be like that emotionally moved. It's like, what, what the hell, man? Mm-hmm. This is the bombastic ending. Why are you giving me feels right now? Well, and I mean, they, the pitch is a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, they, they set it up as a joke, but, but then, but then the answer is, is very much not a joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. No, you're right. Like for the entire season, it's a running gag until it stops being a gag, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it's just stuff like that that he does. Um, that's amazing. Um, when Peacemaker has the showdown with his dad, like, A, you think it's going to be more drawn out? It's not. And it's this weird moment where you're like, yeah, shoot your dad in the head. And then you realize, like, you know know how much of a piece of shit your dad is? It would still mess with you to then shoot your dad in the head. It, it's like, like we were talking about in the earlier segment. That's the response of Jet for having horrible things done to him, so he's going to kill an entire village. It's like, yeah, n- no. I know that these horrible things happened. That's not how this should be resolved. Right. Because well, that's not a resolution. Objectively, like... The murder part, all the murder parts aside, that is a an element of life that I'm sure a lot of people can really relate to. Like mm-hmm. your your parents are, you know, like, like racist, or have a lot of really shitty takes, or are emotionally abusive. Um, in this case, all of the above mm-hmm. a, to the nth degree. Um, and he sees that and he is and was raised by that mentality and as an adult is working to be better, to do better, doesn't always get there, which is why, you know, he's calling people mean names like Diebeard. Um, but all of that to say, it doesn't change the fact that that's your parent and you fucking love them. And most people cannot separate one from the other. Most people do not easily, even if you it, recognize the problem, you it's not that it's not as simple as just walking away. Uh-huh. It is nigh impossible to do that. Unless you're me, in which case it's you know you're dead inside, no problem. But that I know that that's actually like probably more messed up than than the more common decision. Yeah, element that's of just like, a different form. Oh, it's a different solution to the same problem. It yeah, mean it's a better solution. It's a different solution with its own sets of problems. Yes, I mean, um, if we're always telling each other, we're always telling each other as, as a as a community, if people in your life are toxic, don't have those people in your life. Mm-hmm. But you know, when when you are related by blood, all of a sudden that's not okay. 
No, you're right. But it still doesn't make it any easier to cut those people out, even if you know they are horrible for you. Mm. Um, it also assumes that there are absolutes and that this is a solution that should be applied to all problems. Um, it's the same. Excuse you. Jesus. It's like right outside your door, isn't it? It was. It was just yeah. ran down the street. Um, it didn't run down the street. It drove down the street. It's a car. It doesn't run. Anyway, the the whole uh, cancel culture narrative or when someone is canceled because they've done something horrible and wrong, the, the problem with that is that cuts them off from resources that they could have to actually change their behavior. Right. Instead of, right. it's like, oh, well, we just don't want to deal with them anymore. It's like, well, that means there's still a problem. It it's just means there's someone problem. else's problem. Um, and at some point, the problem should be solved or at least right. better managed. So yeah, if, if there's never a point for learning and the potential for redemption, then why are any of us trying anything? Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, like whose job is it to, to, you know, lead that horse to a different trough of water? Uh, you know, like so, sometimes like you don't have the emotional, maturity of your own to to handle someone else's shortcomings or the bandwidth to to guide them in the right direction especially like if if it's a situation where like i know you know better because you lecture other people about the same shit mm-hmm. but you're yeah. just you are you are choosing to ignore your own faults that you point out in others i'm not here for that it usually means that the... my take is that uh, we don't we don't really choose who we're going to be that agent of change for or who's going to be that agent of change for us, and it may not even be people in our circle that we regularly interact with. It could be a complete stranger that suddenly you hear those words that you need to hear that you already know and you realize fuck <laughs> right okay right okay. and and i and i don't mean to like just have a bunch be like a bunch of what about what about um i just get fired up about this particular topic um, <laughs> I, I also but, and that's one of the things that peacemaker brings out like that's that's one of the amazing things about this show is it was supposed to be a goofy superhero show or at least one that we, we all knew, okay, it's James Gunn. It's the suicide squad. It's Cena. This is going to be bad shit insane from the word go, which it it is, which it is, but it also is exactly what Aaron's been talking about. The gun does that. It's like, but also we're going to talk about some shit. And then when we're done talking about shit, you're going to sit on your couch and go, the fuck did we just watch and talk about some shit? <laughs> right. And uh, Zach is pointing out, like, in in the Suicide Squad, uh, spoilers if you haven't seen that yet, he <laughs> is a character who is more than willing to kill his teammates in order to fulfill the mission. And Peace at any cost, that's his thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and and then by you know before the end of the series peacemaker 
you you see him changing and like I don't know humanizing his teammates a little more um, mm-hmm. and recognizing that okay yeah this is a goal but I shouldn't be okay with killing my peers to achieve that goal there has to be a better solution yeah I mean he even starts to have that turn I think around episode three because in Suicide Squad, he has that line, like, I adore peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, or children I have to kill to get it. Mm-hmm. And the scene with the senator, they know that the senator is likely a butterfly. The family's a maybe. And I think it's when they first reveal that it's both the parents. You know, he gets the orders to, like, kill all of them. And he's like, he just can't do it. Oh, it it's revealed at that time that all four of them. All of, yeah. Like, and even then, the he's like, it's a kid. It's a kid. Mm-hmm. You know. Thankfully, he has Vigilante. Which, Vigilante, like, again, this depiction of Vigilante has nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing. except the the costume. The costume is the only thing. (laughs) Um, Vigilante in DC Comics is is pretty close to their version of the Punisher. mm -hmm. Um, Um, a, A better depiction of what Vigilante was like was the version of Vigilante that they used on Arrow. And this was kind of not Deadpool. that. Hmm? Here, sort of. He's, oh, I, I did not even realize that was supposed to be the same character. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're very different. <laughs> yeah, like, and I don't, yeah. I, I don't have a love for either one of these characters from the comics because, like, you know, Peacemaker was ridiculous looking, and like, who wears orange and a, a weird toilet bowl on your hel- head as yeah. a helmet? And like, and then peacemaker or vigilante, it's like you're you're a vigilante in a universe full of costume vigilantes, and you chose vigilante as your superhero yeah. name. Literally, the only comic character I like that I knew was going to be a somewhat character in in peacemaker was Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. I knew we were going to get a couple shots of the wall, and I was like, yeah, because anytime you get Amanda Waller on screen, I'm happy. You know. <laughs> That's because it's Viola Davis, and she's fucking great. <laughs> Amanda Waller was great when it was fucking... Uh, who played Amanda Waller in Smallville? Pam Greer? Well, that seems too smart, but that's probably true. It wasn't a bit... It was like two episodes when the rogues were hired to take down... It was like the last season, so there was way more capes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Killer Frost like failed at taking down the streak Hmm. so when he goes back to report that he screwed up like he's sitting in this small room where like his powers are clearly being negated and you know amanda waller comes in and says i need you to sign this uh confirming or something like that you failed at the mission or that you're part of task force x and he signs it then she pulls a gun out and as it pulls away you hear the shot go off and then you hear her say welcome to the suicide squad and that's it i was like oh yeah that's waller the only person who's gotten Batman to back down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes, it was, it was Pam Greer. Was yeah. Cool. But yeah, oh. back back to uh, the depiction of Vigilante. Um, I'm get, I've am i also got IMDb up so I can actually say every, all of these actors' mm-hmm. names because, man, all of, if you're a casting director, please hire any and all of this cast. Yeah. Um, Freddie Stroma. Freddie Stroma played Adrian Chase. I don't think I've ever seen this kid in anything, and he was... I've never I, I, seen a depiction of 
innocent isn't the right word, but a completely innocent sociopath. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally correct. Because, he, like, he kills people because that's what you're supposed to do to bad people, right? Everything that he does makes sense to him in his head because he doesn't, he's a sociopath and actually does not understand how the world works. It's fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, and it's an interesting juxtaposition because Peacemaker's whole thing is, you know, peace at any, at any cost, right? no mm-hmm. matter what, including like kill, kill men, women, and children. He says that, but that's not necessarily true, or at least not uh, over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, like, how true that was before the events of the Suicide Squad are not there for us to know. Um, but just based on the, on this series, like that, he's not actually living up to that phrase. Whereas Mm -hmm. vigilante kind of is, he doesn't really like, there are no emotional or philosophical influences. He's just like, Oh, we need to kill that guy. Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a weird kind of parallel between it's not as extreme, but the way peacemakers father treats him and how Peacemaker kind of treats Vigilante in the beginning of like, listen, you like you're a loser. Leave me alone. Like I don't want to hang and like stop it. You're, we're not friends. Like knock it off. And that you know relationship evolves over the show. Um, I think as you know as Peacemaker, the character evolves and realizes that he has to quit pushing people away. That's how you get my dad. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. But it makes perfect sense that he thinks that that is his love language. Yeah. Because all of the people that he interacts with, he calls them names, calls them losers. It's like, oh, because that's how your father taught you to interact with people that you, yeah. you think you're supposed to love or care about. And speaking of his father, is there ever a time where Robert Patrick hasn't played a character that can just send chills down your spine? I know he's played good guys before, but Agent Agent Doggett. He did not send chills down my spine on the X Files. No, no, that's true. It was Agent Doggett, but like, basically, if he's ever the bad guy or a bad guy, mm-hmm. he's highly disturbing. Oh yeah, I I think he really sunk his teeth into the fact that it's like I get to play a completely racist neo-Nazi terrorist supervillain. Who is also a shitty father? Okay, I'm in. This is like I haven't done this before. Right. Just like <laughs> this really one hundred percent not me. Done. Yeah. I'm, I like that's that's a great challenge to have as an actor. Mm-hmm. And he was he was terrifying. <laughs> and uh, I, as... I'm glad we still get him in season two. <laughs> that was so good. I love mm-hmm. the idea that. Peacemaker cannot physically or emotionally just kill his dad away. Mm-hmm. That scene of that is essentially father and son having beers on the power at the porch at the end mm. is so unsettling or upsetting that we know he's going to carry his dad's ghost with him forever. Maybe not forever. Hopefully not forever. Hopefully not forever, but it's going to be definitely a while. through season two. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Norm mentioned the helmet. I don't think we're done with the Scabies helmet. I feel like it's going to show up sometime in season two as a gag. <laughs> I was really worried at first in that final episode that uh, Leota had accidentally grabbed the Scabies helmet. It's like, is that how they're going to kill the space cow with Scabies? Because that's not above James Gunn to do that. This is true. But I, saying, I don't think Scabies is deadly, but it's an alien. Maybe to a space cow. Whatever, yeah. But still, the... What was the torpedo? Was it just called torpedo helmet? The human, human torpedo. torpedo. Yeah. Which always makes me think of Bullet Boy from The Tick. Fire <laughs> me. Fire me, boy. <laughs> the human, yeah. Was it the human bullet? I think so. Yeah. It was It was something dumb. And of course, the uncle in Arrested Development. Shoot me. Look at me. I took down an army man. I love taking down an army man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I never stopped being shocked. No, after I, every episode, <laughs> and I and I appreciate that you know Peacemaker and um, Harcourt develop feelings for each other, but it didn't become a cliche of like the wounded tough guy. And the two people that are closed off find the common ground and start dating. Right. Right. There right. are there are feelings for each other, but I still don't see them actually dating in season two. No. Um, I, I don't think that's their story arc. Their story arc is Harcourt. Harcourt's story arc was learning to trust a team and also learn learning how to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I really enjoyed her story arc, of, and that's... Um, Jennifer Holland, mm-hmm. um, like when she, you first find out that she knows that um, that Mern uh, by Chikuri Iwuji um, is also one of the butterflies. Once that, like, it's let on that she already knows that. It's like, oh, right. oh, because that's because you're the leader. You have to learn how to lead these people. You already know how to do the job. You have to learn how to lead other people to do the job, and right. and I think that came across really well. It's like, oh, neat. No, I definitely, yeah, that exactly. What I would enjoy seeing and is always kind of humorous um, because it breaks the trope of you know, like them getting together. Uh, not mm-hmm. that it's like unheard of, but uh, you don't see it that often. Is if come the beginning of the next season they've already had a thing and it's over and now that's the thing that they butt heads about is like why it was not a good relationship but but (laughs) funny yeah um i could see that working there's also a small part of me since i know that um leota and her her spouse in episode one talk about what they're going to name their kid Mm mm-hmm I find there's some potential humor in season two of one of them thinking that, yeah, he's a dick, but he's got really strong genes. What if we ask him to be the donator? And like, it'd be like, no, that is the worst. I- no, you, <laughs> and not even cause he's white. That's got nothing to do with it. We, at, we will never hear the end of it. If peacemaker is the biological father of our kid, like it, we will not hear the end of it. We will never hear the end of it if I give birth to the grand 
kid of the white dragon. The, the white... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't. Oh God, that no. means it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, you. Be, be, at or... least even the, yeah, at least even the conversation doesn't have to happen, oh. but the the comedic lines that will come out of that scenario. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I really liked uh, Daniel Brooks as Leota Adebayo, mm-hmm. and uh, Elizabeth Faith Ludlow was Kia. That's it. Yep. Uh, Daniel Brooks, who did almost every stunt they would let her do. Nice. That's so when you see her jumping and getting knocked around, like that's pretty much her every time. I first came across cool. her for Orange Is the New Black. She's one of the she's one of the few characters mm-hmm. that. If, memory serves she was there for the whole series and has like some really good arcs she is a okay that's where i remember her from she is really great at embodying the character development that is written for her characters good okay i didn't know that well based based on orange is the new black and then her arc in this i'm like she really knows how to be that character who is going through life changes and like learning new things and becoming mm-hmm. a different person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I think um, the fight scene between Judo Master and Harcourt and Adebayo, I think that was that was my favorite of the fight scenes. <laughs> Because I was really looking forward to seeing Harcourt fight Judo Master. It's like, yes, I actually want to see someone who's trained to do that type of hand-to-hand combat go against Judo Master. It's one yeah. thing to watch Peacemaker do it because he just keeps picking up and throwing him around yeah. when he can get a hold of him. But her, it's like, no, she's trained to, she's just trained to kill everything. Yeah, it would have been cool. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a great fight. Um, although I do, like I did hurt. love Economos' fight with Judo Master. <laughs> <laughs> every yeah, every fight good. that Economos was in was yeah. uh, very Economos' shining moment was definitely the chainsaw through the, the grill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I love the fact that knowing who potentially started hair metal in the 70s and getting to use the chainsaw is what made Peacemaker be like, you're fucking cool. <laughs> uh speaking of which i will be really disappointed if they don't at least release a playlist of all the music and songs used in peacemaker oh, i'm sure that i i'm pretty sure they have i haven't I don't seen it yet but i demand it um as a side note uh, merrick turned me on to this if you're on instagram look up steve ag's um instagram account mm-hmm there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but he's also just a very skilled and very talented photographer. Oh, oh that's cool. And he has some behind the scene shots of people he's worked with over the years that it's like, oh, that's a rather poignant photo of that particular person. That's cool. Oh, okay. What uh, what I thought was really, or I was I was really excited to see. When he Steve, when when they first introduced his character, because, um, in my mind, Steve Agee and Brian Posehn like belong together. They have performed together in many a things, um, but I've seen Steve Agee out in the world alone. This I I feel like this is the first time I've or sorry Brian Posehn. I've seen I've seen him do things without Steve, but never mm. vice versa before this. 
These are good photographs. Yeah. They're really and good. And apparently he's dating uh, Dana DiLorenzo, who was uh, in Ash vs. Evil Dead. Hmm. She's, um... oh my gosh. She's the main woman in Ash vs. Evil Dead. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So she would always, I guess on Instagram, she would always post kind of like live photos of the two of them watching Peacemaker together and being like, my boyfriend's so talented and cute and I like his beard. It was very sweet and charming. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like totally distracted by this Instagram account now. Oh, yeah. That's that's okay. It's also a pretty good spot to be kind of start wrapping up too, you know, so... I think we'd planned on Trek, but I think that's going to have to wait. Yeah, because I feel like we'll have a lot of words on Trek. Uh, especially, like, next week, we can talk about, like, where we think Discovery's going. Because I'm hoping by next week we'll actually see Species C-10. Or whatever it's called. We hope so. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow night's episode is called Rosetta, which uh, nice. leads one to believe that there's going to be a first contact and a, an attempt at communication. Yes. But it also gives us a chance to talk about that and the premiere of Picard. So, yeah, we can make it a two-thirds Star Trek episode. Two, for, two for Trek. And depending on everyone's weekend plan, maybe you know an advanced review of the Batman. I am going Friday, so we're making plans to go this weekend. Yeah, I'm I've, sorry. I've got... Oh, the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the it's what? The Batman. Good reviews. Oh, I didn't realize it was already like here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So spoilers. It's March. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Like today. when did that? When did that happen? I don't I... know. It was like February for three months, and now it's March. <sighs> yeah. Except also no, I got February my, I just my, blew by. I had yes. my free ticket, so I got. I'm seeing it like at 11:30 on Friday or something. So nice. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. We had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with that, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Bean Rita. And I am Cable Hashitani. And we will talk to you all next week. Pointy point point. <laughs> Way to end on a solid bean. Just yawn it I, out. I couldn't help it. And good night. <laughs>